The following is a Klabes Online production. Lunch with Klabes and Joe on ClabesOnline.com. And welcome on in to another Monday edition of Lunch with Klabes and Joe here on ClabesOnline.com. Coming to you on Facebook and Twitter. I am Joe Roderick, joined alongside by the star of Klabes Online. He is Mike Claiborne. And a, a man, Klabes, you're, you're back to work this week. Finally, right? Almost forgot how to get to the ballpark. I needed to use my GPS. It was, <laughs> it was almost to that level. But, yeah, we're back. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, you know, it's still a little kind of an eerie feeling, Joe, because there are a lot of people who you're used to seeing at the ballpark that you probably won't see this year. But, uh, you know, my feeling is let's get through this and make the most of it. And, and hopefully in 2021. Uh, we'll be talking about a world championship that we won this year, but more importantly, it'll be something a little bit more that we're a little bit more accustomed to what we've dealt with in the past. Yeah. So, how many give give the people an idea just for these practices and then the things that I know I've I've listened to some things on KMOX, I've watched stuff on Cardinals.com. How many people do you think are inside Bush Stadium during these practices? Um. I was told that when the season starts, there will be less than 400 people in the ballpark. Players included, security, broadcasters, media, the whole nine yards, less than 400 people, period. Jeez. That's, uh, it's got to be a, a little eerie, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, but listening to it, <clears throat> I was listening to it last week, I think last Thursday, the uh, the broadcast on KMOX. And they have the crowd noise pumped into the stadium mm -hmm. right now. When you're listening to it on the radio, it it sounds like it's a regular season game. I mean, it you would not know that it's an empty stadium. So listening to that, it didn't feel that weird. Yeah, you know, they've done a nice job at trying to pipe in some sound. Uh, I know over the weekend and watching the Yankees and the Mets, they had some cardboard cutouts which I think is a pretty fun idea. And I think they ought to have cardboard cutouts of different people, maybe celebrities and people that are well-known or recognizable that you can put behind home plate or put near the dugouts or where foul balls might be. Uh, I think you have to be creative here and trying to have as much fun with this as you can. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a little bit of a different environment for sure. And I wonder what it's going to be like, Joe, when we are doing road games from the ballpark uh, how that's going to work uh, because we'll be relying on another TV crew in another city. That's uh, I mean, that's something we'll get your, we'll get your thoughts on that. Not next Monday, but the Monday after that, because the Cardinals will be on the road. Their first road game is next Tuesday up in Minnesota. So we will, uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward to hearing your, uh, your, I guess your experience with all of that. We do want to mention that Lunch with Claves and Joe is powered by Ameren, Illinois and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Uh, Jamie has hooked me up not only with the polo that I have been wearing for quite some time, but now last week, because I was at the uh, the Munganass Acura store, Claves, I got the uh, the hat to go along with that. So I'm basically a walking billboard for the uh, yeah, for company now. Well, yeah. you should. You wear it well. Um, you know, some people can't be, they are the size of billboards, but you really fit, fit the promo extremely well. So I think it's a good, good look on you. So, uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of our sponsors, uh, busy week and the, the sponsors are going to get a lot of attention this week before we get into all of the Cardinal talk, all of the baseball talk and everything else we have today on the show. 
Klebs, you and I are going to be busy this week. Not only are you going back to work with the Cardinal uh, Radio uh, Network with uh, KMOX and all of the other stations that you'll be heard on around the uh, around the Midwest, but we have a lot of roundtable live streams for you. So the same way that you're watching this right now, whether it be on Facebook or on Twitter, we will have uh, um, previews for you of the American League Central, the National League Central, and the uh, the Cardinals in general this week. So coming up on Wednesday, and we'll, we're going to post something too. We're, we'll post something on all of our social media pages so people can see when and where these uh, these broadcasts will be. On Wednesday at 10 a.m., Clabe, so it's a morning one at 10 a.m., we'll be doing a National League Central roundtable where you and I will host it with a panel that includes Polo Asensio, Jeff Levering of the Milwaukee Brewers, Greg Brown of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Ron Coomer of the Chicago Cubs, and Bobby Nightingale Jr. of the Cincinnati Reds. So that's coming your way on uh, on Wednesday. Then we have another one Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, for the AL Central and Thursday at 1 p.m. for just the Cardinals. We'll get into all that and we'll uh, remind viewers of that as the, uh, as the show goes on. Want to get into some of the Cardinal discussion you you tell before we get into all opening day lineups or rosters and that stuff. Tell me from the broadcast booth what you've been able to see of this team that they're going to be putting out there for two months in August and September. Well, it's going to be a team similar to last season. Um, they're going to be able to pitch. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, defensively, they're going to be solid. They'll have a few more options. Uh, they won't have the power, I think, we saw last year, obviously, with Ozuna not here. Um, they're going to have to manufacture runs a little bit more effectively. Uh, I, I like the makeup of the team because it's versatile, and I think it's going to be important to, to make sure you can move runners along and do little things in the game, uh, especially as we, we've talked about before in the 10th inning when they put that runner at second base. Uh, you you have to have guys who can bunt a guy over or try and get a fly ball, things of that nature. The fundamentals, I think, will be stressed more this year than what we've seen in past seasons. So I, I like what I see. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what the offense is going to look like. I, I think Colton Wong will probably be in the top of the order. He and Matt Carpenter will probably share that duty. But I think also Joe matchups are going to be very important. And, you know, each team now has like a game planner, uh, a, a person who analytically is savvy to set up the game plan, the approach on how they want to take on the other team. So I, I look at that situation as being very important for a team that hasn't shown the ability to do a lot of hitting. We didn't see a lot last year. Hopefully in Jeff Albert's second year, the guys have been able to buy into it and have more of a comfort level of how he's trying to teach them and prepare them. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, They've been playing each other enough now. So to try and get a, a real feel, I'm not sure we can do at this point, considering that these guys are more familiar with each other than anyone else. Maybe we'll get a better idea on, on Wednesday when the Kansas City Royals roll into town. I, I look at the lineups that they've been posting and they, you know, it's something fun for the fans to see the lineups when they have the blue versus the red team of the inner squad games. The one they posted a few days ago on July 17th seemed to be the biggest tease, maybe the biggest look at to what the season might look like. And it went like this, Wong, Edmund Goldschmidt, DeYoung, Carpenter, Molina, Fowler, O'Neill, and Bader. 
that was the lineup they went with for the uh, for the red team on July 17th. Is that what you think that we're we might see on Friday for an opening day lineup? By the way, uh, Carpenter was the DH there, and Carpenter has been given that role of DH a few times when these lineups have been rolled out. Well, the Cardinals are a better team with Carpenter as a DH defensively. Tommy Edmond is a better third baseman as far as his range and his arm is concerned. Um, you know, Carpenter, you know, you got you have some left-handers in your order now with those two. Uh, with with the you know, with uh, Tommy Evan being a switch hitter, that certainly helps. It, it's just a situation where I think we're going to look at this on a daily basis. Um, you may go with the same eight, maybe nine guys as far as your offense is concerned, but you may mix them up as far as the order is concerned. But I also think what's important is being able to see what statistical matchups you may have if there's some history between some of these hitters and pitchers that they're going to face. How important is that going to be, especially in the early stages of this thing? And then let's take it one step further. When you don't see a team like Minnesota very much, you know, how do you prepare against a team like that, who I think might be as talented as any team in our in this central corridor that we're going to be facing? Yeah, that's a the, the the number of home runs that Minnesota Twins team hit last year, and you look and they didn't lose much over the offseason. So That'll uh, that'll be a nice test for the second well, they, series. They picked up Josh Donaldson, so they won't be slouches. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, the the one thing you mentioned the lack of offense that's possible in this Cardinal lineup. The one thing that could make up for that, which older Cardinal fans might uh, might bring back some memories from them, is when you look at the speed of guys like Wong and Edmund at the top of that lineup, and then the lineup that I mentioned with O'Neill and Bader hitting eight nine. You don't have that pitcher that's going to be there clogging up that nine spot in the order or clogging up the bases. They might have that Cardinal team might be the fastest team in the National League, if not all of baseball. When you uh, when you look at just those four names that are that are there in that lineup every day. And let's throw in Fowler, who goes from first to third on a base hit as well as anyone. You know, and that's something we have to take into account is when he can get on. Uh, a base hit in the gap or one down the line, he can go first or third with anybody in the game. So let's add him to that equation also. And, and Joe, you make a good point because this is as much speed as we've seen in, gosh, maybe eight, nine years. I mean, we didn't have this kind of speed uh, when Mike Matheny was managing. Tony was waiting on the three-run homer. Uh, kind of stumbled onto some speed, but it's been a while since we've had guys who can do things on the bases, and I'm looking forward to watching them run. I'm, I'm trying to think back. I mean, you're saying eight, nine years. I'm trying to think back to what team would have been as fast as this. I know. I'm, I'm trying to think back, too. I, there had to have been. I'm I'm just trying to think, like, because, I mean, you look at those speed positions there and, you know, center field, shortstop, ones like that. I, they, they haven't had a whole lot of fast guys. I mean, Edmonds was a great defensive center fielder, but you but weren't putting him in a foot race yeah. against anybody. They were a station-to-station team most of that time. So, you know, I, I was being kind when I say eight or nine years ago, but I probably would have to go back further to find a team that really had some bona fide guys who could run the bases. And I'm talking about running the bases. You know, stealing bases is a different subject completely. Um, so, but I do think we, that we saw the Cardinals steal more bases last year. And let's face it, there's a handful of catchers in the game that can actually throw. So you might as well take advantage of it. And very few pitchers have good moves to first where they can keep a runner on. 
There are so many times, Joe, you'll see a pitcher come to a stop and then go right to home plate, never checks, never steps off. And if you don't have a move, hold it, step off. Get that guy off the balls of his feet at first base who's thinking about stealing. And you've got to do little things. So if you don't have a move, there's other ways to keep a runner close. But a lot of times these guys will just get the sign and here it comes and they don't think about that guy at first base. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Those pitchers, though. Yeah, I, I agree that they are going to have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. But the thing that concerns me now, that going in, I remember back in Jupiter, back the the talk in Jupiter. Anytime somebody would ask me back in February or early March about the team, the one thing I always said was they're you know they're not going to give up runs. That pitching is going to be solid. But now you look at it, you lose John Brebbia for the year. You lose Jordan Hicks for the year as he's opted out. Uh, that was news, I think, shortly after we went off the air last week. The Jordan Hicks news came out that he was opting out for the 2020 season, which, by the way, is a very smart move on his part and well-thought-out move, I think, when you look at a few different factors. Just take the extra time off, rehab, be ready to go for spring training in 2021. But now you look at a guy who just came to St. Louis and Giovanni Gallegos, who isn't going to start the season on Friday. Alex Reyes, who I don't think is going to be starting the season either on Friday. Who are we looking at? Hennessy's Carrera. He not starting the season either uh, on Friday. That's that. Those are five really good arms that you were looking forward to having out of your bullpen that aren't there. Well, but I I look at also the fact that you have some extra arms, whether it's Ponce de Leon, Austin Gomber, two guys right off the top. Ryan Helsley did a really nice job last year. It looks like Andrew Miller has found his groove. Uh, so I think you can piece it together for at least a week or so and, and figure out who can do what before you have to make a decision on who's going to be your closer. And I know Carlos Martinez seems like the logical choice. But, you know, I got to be honest with you, Joe. He has done everything the Cardinals have asked him to do to justify being a starter. I think he's been the best pitcher in summer camp. From my, from where I sit, and I think he deserves that opportunity. Uh, you got KK. You got some options, so I wouldn't nail down anything early with regard to how the back end of the bullpen is going to work. I think you got some guys out there that are credible and can do the job. So let's just play a few games, and I think we can get a better idea. Now the the timetable is is been accelerated. There's no question about that. But I also feel that you're in a position because you have so many experienced arms coming into the ballpark this year for the Cardinals. I think that really gives you a plus uh, compared to some teams that are going to have to dip into their minor leagues. And maybe they can flash a rookie out there every now and then. But the Cardinals have some guys with some bona fide innings under their belts. And I think it's going to make them into a formidable team when it comes to pitching, starting and on the back end. The, the starters, uh, you're going to I – mean, Flaherty is your number one. You you have Hudson, Dakota Hudson in there, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michaelis. You you already mentioned um, Carlos Martinez too. So are those are those your five? Is there a name I'm missing? KK. Are you going starter with him or you know are going to find, find so. a spot for him in the he – pitched, He pitched well the other night. So you already have Andrew Miller – You've got Tyler Webb as your two left-handers for sure. Uh, Cabrera will fill a role in that situation down the road. So KK could be the guy who could be a floater. Because here's the other thing I think we have to take into account. 
we're not looking for guys to give us seven or eight innings, okay? If you give us six, you got enough bullpen muscle that you can get some things done. So you've got some options too. Remember, the roster is going to be expanded a little bit to 30 for a while, then the 28. So there are going to be some guys who are going to play themselves on and off this roster. I'll give you a good example, like a Junior Fernandez, who I really think has great promise. But so far this summer, he hasn't been able to throw enough strikes. Who's to say he can't get it figured out? Uh, Cody Whitley is a guy that we better start paying attention to. So they've got some other options that are further down the road in case somebody has a slow leak or a flat tire coming out of the bullpen. Who's this? I, I saw a post. I'm looking for the name. Is it Johan Ovedo? Olivedo. Olivedo. Big, strong guy. He's from Cuba. He goes about 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. He's 225, 230 easy. There's not an ounce of fat on this young man. Uh, he's got all the tools, too. He just needs some seasoning. And how he gets it is going to be up to the Cardinals, especially with that not being a minor league season. But he was a fast tracker for them and, and a guy that, who really has the potential to be heard from this year. One name we haven't mentioned yet, and we'll we'll leave it at this. Uh, I, I think this is a name we might dive into a little more Thursday in the Cardinal Roundtable. Dylan Carlson, where is he going to be on Friday? Where is he going to be a week from Friday? Um, I think he'll be in Springfield, just honing his skill. And, and there's a couple of reasons. One, I don't know if there's enough room at the end for him here. When you look at the outfield of Fowler, Bader, O'Neill, Lane Thomas, um, the right-hander that the Cardinals picked up in the offseason. Austin um, Dean. Austin Dean has done a lot of good things well. So you've got some guys with more experience in front of him. The key for Carlson at this point, I think, is just get as many reps in as he can. Now, how they structure that in Springfield, <clears throat> one only knows. I know Jose Okendo is going to be in charge of it, so – if Jose Okendo's in charge, then we're going to be okay. But I just think it's important for Carlson to get some quality opportunities compared to just being a bat on the bench or a guy that's going to get a spot start that he has to play with regularity. So if somebody goes down or if somebody has another slow leak, I don't think they'll hesitate a week from Friday when you know it doesn't count as far as uh, arbitration down the road. And that comes into play, and we all understand that. Uh, but – Overall, I think I would probably see him in Springfield temporarily, but he will be in St. Louis certainly by mid-August. The, uh, the the best story I heard last week of all the media stories that were out there was the one about Austin Dean where he went into the season this, uh, this past offseason and they asked him what number he wanted. And at first, without thinking, he requested the number five. <laughs> Which so uh, well, he's been the last 10 years or so, huh? He he admitted that he wasn't thinking it through when he said it, and they just told him, Sorry, uh, Austin, we're probably going to retire that number one day, we can't give it to you. So, therefore, Austin Dean will be number zero in your uh, in your programs this year. Moving on to other uh, news in baseball, this one kind of came as a uh, this is a pretty big story over the weekend out of Canada with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. The country, the Canadian government is not allowing the Toronto Blue Jays to play home games in Toronto due to the COVID-19 pandemic, according to a statement from the country's Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship. 
He said while the Blue Jays were initially given exempt for summer workouts in Toronto, as long as they agreed to have all players remain in a modified cohort quarantine at the Rogers Center and their hotels, that is uh, not going to be the case as Major League Baseball is set to begin on July 23rd. So here we sit. It's Monday. The Blue Jays have a home game on Friday against the Washington Nationals, and we have no idea where that game is going to be taking place. I would think it's going to be in Buffalo. Uh, it's close. They got a minor league ballpark there. Uh, I don't really have a problem with this. You know, Canada, unlike some countries I know, had a little bit of a better game plan with regard to how to deal with this, and they want to stay consistent. The problem that they have is it's not the Blue Jays, it's the travel back and forth and the amount of people coming into this country. Now, granted, the COVID rate has been down in baseball, but there's no sense of expanding it if you don't have to. And they've done this countrywide, just like for hockey. Guys have to go in early to make sure they've been in the bubble long enough uh, in Edmonton and also Toronto to make sure they don't have any problems. And once they're there, they are there. Unlike with the Blue Jays, they're going to leave town. Other teams are going to come into town. So it's a situation that wasn't going to work. I have no problem with it. I commend the Canadian government for taking care of its citizens. Yeah, and, and before there's comments made about, as you said, Edmonton and Toronto, those they're stuck there. Jim Thomas of the Post-Dispatch flew up this weekend uh, up to Edmonton, and he went up there early so he can self-quarantine for two weeks and be ready to go to cover the Blues once the Blues get up there and start their defense of the uh, of the Stanley Cup. So, and they're they're there. They once you are in one of those hub cities, you are there for the rest of your postseason until we get to the Stanley Cup uh, Finals for hockey. So, yeah, you don't want the people coming in and out. Uh, I guess Pittsburgh is an opera is a possibility for the Blue Jays. Buffalo is a possibility. And I guess if something happens and those two fall through, they have their spring training down in Florida, which could also be Florida, another possibility. Florida's burned to the ground. That's the last place they're going to take that show. I am I am shocked that we have seen that we haven't seen the Rays and the Marlins decide that they were going to do something different this year too. Uh, you are getting so many of these cities, these hotspot cities, that I, I just I don't see how they are going to. Uh, hold on to a baseball team for 60 days. Well, here, here's the problem that both of those teams have. <clears throat> Most of their minor league operations are in other states that are just as hot as Florida. So it's not like they have that many options unless they really want to go further north. Now, for, for the Marlins case, it really doesn't make a difference. Nobody was going to their games, even in Miami. Uh, Tampa, that's a sad situation also. So uh, I, I don't think they have as many options uh, but if things start to unravel, and we haven't heard how many players have tested positive from either one of those teams, uh, so they're just gonna—they're kind of stuck right now. Yeah, the city of Tampa Bay—you you, got to feel for some of the businesses around there, for some of the tourist destinations around there, because you look at how hard they have been hit through this. Back in April, Tampa Bay was supposed to host WrestleMania, which would have been. $100 million plus coming into the uh, economy there. Tampa is supposed to be the host of the Super Bowl coming up in uh, in February. As I sit here in July, Klaibs, I have been to the last nine. 
I don't think that I'm going to be heading down to Tampa in Florida this uh, this late January, this late, this early February, which takes us on to the NFL because the NFL is supposed to start training camps. And yesterday, I don't know if you saw this last night, many NFL players took to Twitter in a coordinated effort to urge the NFL to listen to its expert guidelines on safety opening training on safely opening training camps amid the pandemic going on right now using the hashtag we want to play the NFL has not had to cancel any games they haven't really had to cancel any events throughout all of this so far and somehow the NFL is supposed to be opening training camps this week without a plan in place of how to safely and efficiently do so they've dropped the ball well no they didn't just drop the ball the players association dropped it too I mean, this is a, a, a union that has been asleep at the wheel. They wait until the ninth hour, the 11th hour, to lodge a complaint. They should have been at the table well before now because they know they can't go anywhere without their approval. So the NFL and its Players Association should both be accounted for here. And, and they both failed their, their members and their fans a great deal because for them not to have something publicly in writing, where the players at least know, at this late stage is a, is a class embarrassment for the entire league and its players. For players to have to go on Twitter because they've been uninformed, because their players association didn't kick, stomp, and scream earlier than now, you know, they're all, they're all guilty. And how they fix it at this late stage, I have no idea. But that just goes to show you the ineptness of the, of, the, of the league and its players association, which I think is the weakest players association of the four major sports and uh, how they've done business in the past. We're talking about a league that can't even guarantee contracts for players who have the shortest shelf life because of injury. Uh, they can't even get a guaranteed contract. So what do you expect? And I – I mean, they have done a good job, I think, so far. Some of these teams have coming out already. You know, it's July saying we might have 20% capacity in our stadiums and letting fans know very early that you're probably not going to be watching a game live in, in the stadium this year, start to make other plans. But to sit around this long and you saw you already had a virtual draft. You've had everything else done virtually and for just to have no plan in place when I think it's Thursday is when the Texans and chiefs are supposed to both uh, report everybody else next Tuesday, I, th I think is what the, uh, the schedule is. It really, it's uncalled for to have uh, to, to be this out of touch with, uh, with what's going on, especially when you see how long it took the NHL and the NBA to plan their restart. And you saw publicly how it played out online for Major League Baseball, between the Players Association and the owners, to go back and forth the way they did, and how embarrassing that was, you would think that the NFL would have used that time behind closed doors, not being in the news cycle 24-7 like these other sports, to have figured something out. Oh, I, I agree. And, and, and here's the other challenge that I think we need to take into account. Um, if, if I'm running the league, I have a players association rep. I have more than one medical expert. And I think this is a mistake that some people are making. They're putting all their eggs in one guy's basket and 
And sometimes that isn't necessarily the best approach. So I think the Players Association should have a representative medically. The league should have one. You should also have somebody from an equipment standpoint as far as just the, the personnel uh, making sure that you can actually do things like that. So I'm looking at an operations person. And you probably ought to have somebody with some sort of media and some sort of uh, marketing skill to figure out how we're going to spend this and, and making this, turning this into a positive and also turning it into something that could be deemed as a leadership direction you're trying to take your lead. So I got a room of maybe about a dozen people and we're going to meet probably twice a day. We're going to talk about experimenting with this and that. We're going to look at some studies. We're going to try and get as much information uh, and we're going to try and do this collectively, but we're going to be on this. We They should have been on this, Joe, when, right after the draft, yep. and maybe even before that. So for this to come down to the 11th hour is a total embarrassment and it just goes to show you how up the National Football League and its players are. Instead, they were sending out uh, email blasts to media members about how far along they were in the completion of SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium, bragging about that. So it shows where their priorities are. And now those stadiums won't have anybody in there for the uh, for the start of the year. Hey, speaking of stadiums, if you've driven by, you see that they are starting on that MLS stadium there off of uh, 64. They're going to have a little bit of time to uh, to finish that. Friday, it was announced Major League Soccer that they are going to delay three of the four expansion teams due to COVID nineteen and due to the uh, due to the economic hit that some of these cities have taken. The Charlotte team that was set to debut in 2021 will now debut in 2022. And the St. Louis and Sacramento teams that were set to debut in 2022 now will debut in 2023. The Austin franchise will still start in 2021. So for soccer fans in St. Louis that were excited about the, uh, the start of MLS in town, got to wait a little longer, but it's still coming. The ownership is still behind it. The stadium is still being built. It will get here. You just have to wait 365 more days. And that's fine. I'd rather for them to get it right and, and make sure that you have a little bit more of a stable economy by then where fans can truly enjoy it. Your stadium would be up and running. You would have had a chance to do some dry runs with some events, I'm sure. So when this thing hits the ground, you will be fully fledged and you'll be fully ready to go. Uh, so I don't really have that big of a problem with it at this point. Uh, better to be safe than sorry. No sense of rushing. That doesn't mean guys work every other day in building this thing. I think the sooner you get it up, the more you can get used, get used to it and get a feel for it. So let's stay on the course, get it done, and then come up with some activities and some things you can gradually insert into the facility it gives you a better feel for how you're going to use it when this, when your season, your MLS season actually starts. Yeah, no no worries about that. I, they are still planning on bringing out stuff. I, I think I saw a virtual event in the middle of August. Uh, ben Fredrickson reported this morning. They will announce the team name, the color, and the, uh, the crest coming up in the middle of August. So once they get that stuff out there, they can start selling it, and you could start seeing uh, St. Louis – whatever, uh, all around town. Here's a suggestion for you. Why not have 
if you complete your stadium on time, why not have an MLS All-Star game here? I, how far in advance do they plan the – I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, they can do whatever they want to do, but I think the MLS could commit to something here. Maybe it's a uh, a combine of some sort for the draft. Maybe it's some sort of futures game, something just to give an MSL, MLS feeling along with getting the stadium ready for actual competition when it comes to all the things that surround the game itself. And, you know, for as many times as Bush Stadium has hosted soccer soccer matches there, you can move those over there. It doesn't tear up the uh, the field, and the grounds crew at Bush Stadium maybe is a little happier, and you get to run a few uh, test runs there at the new stadium. I agree. Yeah. A lot of things can be done. Finally, before we uh, we wrap things up here and get into the uh, get into previewing everything we have coming up this week, have you followed along with the NBA snitch line that's going on down there in the bubble in Orlando? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is what happens when you don't have anything to do. When all you have to do is go to practice and just sit around and look at each other. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, and it's going to create some bad blood with some people. It's anonymous. I, Nobody has to know who's getting snitched. Who's, who's, yeah, uh, who's you know guys, guys will suspect certain people. You know, it, you know, I know the NBA has gone out of its way to give them as many things as they could possibly have from an entertainment standpoint, uh, but somebody's not going to be happy. You know somebody's going to walk off. You know somebody's going to smuggle somebody in or try to. Uh, it comes with the territory. I, I think when it's all said and done, there's going to be some bad blood by somebody towards someone. You already had the the kid from Sacramento that walked outside of the bubble just to pick up his delivery food, and now he had to quarantine for two weeks because of that. But but you know, in fairness, you know you can't jeopardize the whole league because of your stupidity or your lack of knowledge. Um, because you're being selfish because somebody's going to walk out of there being a champion and the way they're going to be a champion is they're going to have most of their players available to them. So to endanger the, this whole project because you're stupid or just careless, uh, you can't have it. And you have to hit them hard and let them know that this, this is not going to be tolerated. There was a, a video up on CBS sports uh, on their Twitter feed, a, a guy, he was just taking random or, I guess a, a mimicking what it would look like to take calls from the uh, the tip line, the snitch line, if you will. It's uh, about five minutes, I think, and it's well worth a uh, a watch if you have some time for uh, for that. I do want to mention everything we have coming up on the website here this uh, this week. Uh, first, before we get into the roundtables, I'm very excited. So one of my guests this past weekend, and a guest I've had many times, Polo Asensio who uh, will be doing 30 games this year with Benji Molina for the Spanish-speaking broadcast for the Cardinals. Polo and I are debuting a new daily podcast right here on ClabesOnline.com. So each and every day, as soon as Polo and I get the lineups, we're sitting down, we're recording something, five minutes, just a quick hit, get you the lineups, get you any of the key information you need for the day. It's uh, What's in the Cards with Joe and Polo driven by Munganath St. Louis Acura. So that is something that is starting on Friday. So let me ask you this. Uh, will Polo do part of this in Spanish? And how is, you, how is your, uh, your uh, Hablo Espanol? 
I, I feel like if Polo is talking Cardinal baseball in Spanish, I might be able to pick up things here and there. Yeah. Yeah. But Polo has already talked about, you know, talking to a few of the players and, and getting them on. And I feel like the players and Polo will speak in Spanish. And that's where I might be lost in some conversation. So I need to get on, I need to get on my Duolingo app. And I need to really start practicing these next few days. I think we should do it on the website uh, for our Spanish-speaking friends and let them know that they're as much a part of this as anybody else. So we're going to do something that's going to be all in Spanish so our Spanish-speaking friends can have a comfort level with what's going on. Uh, and we'll have some fun with it. And I'll, it'll help me rekindle my Spanish and it'll help you learn. I'm I'm fine with that. We also we are even though the Cardinal season is starting, we are keeping on with this day in Cardinal history. We're not going to stop it after July. We're going to go all the way through the uh, at least the end of October, and then see where we go from there. So that's also coming up on the website each and every day uh, this week. Just a, a few highlights for you, some things to look forward to on the uh as far as what we have coming up on this day in cardinal history as i scroll through what day we uh we have here i'm very very intrigued to uh to hear about the day in 1939 that they used the yellow baseballs i think you and uh you and commish might have just touched on that just a little bit but i i look forward to hearing that and then what we have at the end of the month and it should come as no surprise to people a lot of memories of cardinal trades and inductions into Cooperstown because this is when that uh, that usually happens, and the Cardinals have a long history of making some last-minute trades and an awful lot of people in uh, Cooperstown as well. Well, most of the last-minute trades have been pretty good ones, so I'm happy about that. And Cooperstown and the Cardinals are synonymous. Uh, we've had a lot of great people go in, including our own Rick Hummel, who was part of the writers' wing in the Hall of Fame. So uh, we'll have a lot of that going on. And next week, when the Blues uh, embark on their trip to Edmonton, we'll do another hockey roundtable with that as well. Uh, we're going to have Kevin Weeks. We'll have Alex Ferrario involved. And we've got some other surprises for you as well, as the Blues uh, will not escape ClaysOnline.com. We'll certainly be all over them as well, and I'm looking forward to watching them. Uh, there's nothing going to be more fun than going from a baseball game to a hockey game uh, and we'll have some late nights for sure. I'm looking forward to it. So let's talk about the roundtables <clears throat> that we have this week. We told you, and if you're if you're just joining us or if you missed the beginning of the show, we have three roundtables coming your way this week. Wednesday at 10 a.m., we will have an NL Central roundtable. Polo uh, will be on along with Jeff Levering of the Milwaukee Brewers, Greg Brown of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Ron Coomer of the Chicago Cubs, and Bobby Nightingale Jr., of the Cincinnati Reds. Then Thursday at 10 a.m., an AL Central roundtable, Darren Jackson, Jensen Lewis, the former Indians pitcher, now with their pregame and postgame coverage, uh, Lavelle Neal of the Star Tribune covering the Twins, Joel Goldberg of the Kansas City Royals, still, uh, still looking for somebody to represent the Tigers on that, but we'll get somebody for that. And then I think our fans are going to like Thursday at 1 p.m., a Cardinal Roundtable, Claves. You and I will host a conversation with Jimmy the Cat Hayes, Derek Gould, and Frank Cusimano about this year's 2020 St. Louis Cardinal baseball team. 60-game schedule. Let me hear it right now because I, I guess we could. We'll get their predictions and everything when we have it. 
Do you have a uh, prediction? Do you have a magic number that it'll take to make the postseason for these Cardinals? Boy, you know, I would say 35, 38 games. Um, you know, I look at the division, and I really think that the Cincinnati Reds are the team everybody needs to pay attention to. Uh, and we'll talk with Bobby Nightingale Jr. about that later. But I think what they did last year and what they did in the offseason, um, they don't have an ace, but they got a lot of good second and third guys in their rotation. Their bullpen is going to be pretty solid. And they can swing the bat in that ballpark. And they can swing the bat on the road. There's not an easy out in their, in their batting order. Problem is they haven't played together a great deal. They don't have a real experience of winning. But, you know, in a short series, you know, you, you better expect anything to happen because I really think we're set up to, to have some unusual things unfold as we get closer to uh, trying to win a World Series here. I think there are going to be some things that we're not thinking of that if they get hot for a week or two, all of a sudden they find themselves fighting for a playoff spot. Somebody else loses the guy along the way. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be the most interesting postseason we'll ever face. And I think the same can be said for the NBA and the NHL. And they may be shorter games as far as the season length is concerned. But, man, there's going to be some action, action everywhere. All right. All of that coming up uh, this week. Do you have any uh, interviews that you're doing on your own this week? Or is everything just going to be part of the roundtable? Uh, we'll be doing some things with Ameren, Illinois, this week that we'll be telling some people about here in the very near future. And uh, I got a couple of things I got up my sleeve I'm working on. So uh, we'll know something about tomorrow for sure. Awesome. I know I have this weekend already lined up Jason Isringhausen and Mike Lavalier for my uh, for my show coming up on Saturday to uh, get you ready for the start of baseball season. So a lot of baseball talk this week coming your way on ClavesOnline.com. This has been Lunch with Claves and Joe. We appreciate you. Joining us on Facebook and on Twitter. Again, look for our roundtables all week long starting Wednesday at 10 a.m. Again, you can watch those on our Facebook page, Claves Online, or on Mike Claiborne's Twitter page, which is also at Claves Online. And then they'll be up on the website after that if you missed anything throughout the uh, week. This show has been powered by Ameren, Illinois, and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.